Welcome to Brainwaves Bistro. Grab yourselves a cuppa, kick back, and join us for mental health talk with a positive vibe. Here's Julianne. Welcome. Is stress contagious? Is it a killer? A precursor to cancer? Is there yet a cure for cancer? Welcome to my absolutely delightful co-host, Barb Smith, who is going to talk about her battle with stage four cancer and also a regular on Brainwaves now, Jens Thurn, here from Germany, to give us a take, his take on stress and cancer. Welcome, guys. Hi, Julianne. Hi, Julianne. Thanks for having me back and welcome back again. Yes, always welcome you too. Well, Barb's with me all the time, so welcome every every time we record, Barb. Um, now, firstly, this is important. I must give a little warning. Jens, albeit a professional in natural health, would agree with me totally that if you have any issues or are triggered by this broadcast in any way, please see your medical practitioner. Now, moving on. To understand better, can you briefly tell us how cancer develops, Jens? Yes, of course. And first of all, I totally agree with, agree with your advice uh, to look for help. In any case, you have to look for medical professional advice if you have symptoms or problems. Now, let's start because I think it is important to understand this topic, cancer. Now, how does cancer develop? It is a very complex process because we have so many different kinds of cancer. And between the development of individual single cancer cells and the occurrence of a detectable cancer, maybe years go by. The starting point of the genes, the starting point of cancer is the genetic material. Damage occurs in our genes. You, uh, most likely you know our genes are the carrier of our inherited information. So and if this damage occurs, and maybe it cannot be repaired, then we get into the problem. There are three groups of genes playing a role. Oncogenes, the tumor suppressor genes, and repair genes. All three are present in our healthy cells and regulate the growth and the differentiation, or call it maturation, of cells. Oncogenes promote the cell growth, while tumor suppressor genes inhibited it. So when changes, or we call it mutations, occur in these genes, the body repair system steps normally in, fixes the damage, and this usually happens without any problems. No. However, sometimes the repair system fails. And when we have an imbalance between oncogenes and tumor suppressor genes, so, and if we have this imbalance, it leads to the uncontrolled cell growth. That's why I, in simply terms, say sometimes what is cancer? It's an uncontrolled cell growth. Okay, so and the genetic genes changes that lead to cancer usually occur spontaneously during our life. Yeah, and the triggers for spontaneous genetic changes 
are from a scientific and medical point are partially understood. And we all know factors such as smoking, heavy alcohol consumption, excessive exposure to sunlight or infections with certain pathogens like the human papilloma viruses, HPV, or we heard maybe about the Epstein-Barr virus, we are known to promote the growth of cancer cells. Yeah? And the cause of cancer initiation is a change in the genetic material or the regulation of the corresponding genes. So that's uh, the main thing about how cancer starts. Oh, well, thank you, Jens. That, that's very comprehensive. I'm going to talk a little about stress. And I think, Jens, you told me how dangerous stress can be, not only daily in our bodies, but also as a precursor for cancer. So I'm going to talk about, according to very eminent Tara Swart, who's a general practitioner and neuroscience, she says stress is contagious. Now, how I can explain that from Tara's point of view, she's uh, very knowledgeable. The hormone cortisol, which is secreted from the adrenal glands in times particularly when stress is continual, at a high level, not just the spikes we have when we're a bit nervous about um, jumping in a wave or it, it's more than that. It's continuous stress at a level that's almost unbearable. And the hormone cortisol is secreted through the skin, just like oestrogen and progesterone, which causes women to synchronise their menstrual cycles when they have prolonged contact like living or working together. That relates as a survival mechanism relating to our cave dwellers, but we'll discuss that another day. It's a big story. Another interesting fact, leaky cortisol, that's leaky cortisol from high levels of stress, causes hard-to-shift belly fat. That is something that a lot of us don't know, and it's very hard to shift even with exercise and diet. Why the belly fat? Our cave dwellers stored fat in preparation for times when food was not available. Huge hunger and acute stressor. This is hardwired into us today. Yes, we actually leak cortisol through our skin, as I said. How do we avoid this contagion? This is difficult to some people... Such as um, highly placed executives in business, they can hide their stress sometimes, but where it impacts is the people lower in the hierarchy. They suffer more because it's contagious. Gents, what is your take on stress and cancer? Okay, Julian, uh, let me go quickly back to your question or to your comment about shifting belly fat. Okay, you mentioned, okay, it comes from our ancestors, okay? We were holding fat to store because we had periods of starving to find food. Now, the difference is in our days, uh, nobody is starving, so we have enough food. 
and we don't have to starve and usually we eat too much okay so and that's the thing also why how we put belly fat on and now in context uh, with stress when it gets eventually hard to get rid of it okay now let me explain what happens uh, at first of all we have to make a difference if we have if you're talking about acute or chronic stress mm -hmm. everybody yeah everybody in the world has phases episodes where we have acute stress positive negative uh, maybe from work with our friends in relationships whatever now our organism is very good able to deal with this let's call it relatively short stress situations okay and when the stress situation is over we come back to normal the big difference is the chronic stress chronic stress stress over a very long period of time this can block our protective systems yeah chronic stress can disrupt the balance of our autonomic nervous system and affects our immune system so the stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol prevail and inhibit the activity of the immune system our immune system okay uh, chronic stress furthermore leads also to yeah sleeping disorders so it reduces our regeneration and our chance uh, that our body can repair it and uh, now what is the role of adrenaline and cortisol we all remember or we know this wording fight or fly mechanism okay now adrenaline pushes up the heart rate gets us ready to fight now the cortisol on the other hand suppresses our functions our main functions and reduces it just to our core uh, the functions of our organism which are vital to survive so for example uh, blood circulation will be reduced goes more uh, to our core body and so, so these two hormones work against each other now let me give you a kind of analogy let's assume we have an intelligent washing machine okay uh, the washing machine can choose their own program so but what happens now you have dirty bed linen which need an intense wash let's say for 60 degree or 90 degree and at the same time you put in a nice costume shirt or whatever made from cashmere or whatever so one in, is the intense washing program 60 degree and the other one is a very careful woolen program now our washing machine has to think so what is she going to do so you understand the washing machine will be completely mixed up and don't know what to do so and the stress and chronic stress the same happens in our body and if it's consciously and subconsciously uh, the mix up of our repair system 
strengthened immune system will lead us to a acid pH level. Okay, and this leads to the cause that our body is not really functioning, our immune system goes down, as I said, we can't sleep, and eventually it's not a matter if, it's just a matter when, eventually we get sick and uh, we have to go to the doctor. That's the end of the story when it comes uh, to chronic stress. And maybe, uh, just maybe Bob is later on maybe to explain a few things uh, from her case. Well, thanks, Jens. But what else can we do to provide the barrier? What can we do now? The barrier to cancers evolving in our bodies and brain. For example, are there any foods that thwart yeah. cancer growth out there? I mean, we were talking now about the negative and the bad side so but it's very important that we go now to the positive side all right so and there are quite a few things how we can prevent uh, to keep our prevent cancer and what we can do to keep our body healthy uh, i just would start with a simple phrase it says eat colorful live active way light so that's something we can keep in mind, and especially now when it comes to food. Uh, okay, there is no single food that can completely prevent cancer, but a balanced diet, rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins can contribute to overall health and reduce the risk of developing cancer. Yeah. So and. Just to mention some foods, they are fruits and vegetables. Okay, they are rich in vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and to mention berries, uh, cruciferous vegetables. I hope I pronounced it correctly, like broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, leafy greens, tomatoes, carrots, citrus fruits. Talking about whole grains. High in fiber, again, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, and this is to name whole, meat, whole wheat, brown rice, quinoa, oats, barley. When we have legumes, yeah, including beans, lentils, chickpeas, they are an excellent source of plant-based protein, fiber and various nutrients. Yeah, so... For example, they are associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer and other cancers. When we have a group of healthy fats, olive oil, avocado, nuts and seeds, nuts and seeds, okay, and fish, fatty fish like salmon, sardines, rich in omega-3 fatty acids, they contain anti-inflammatory properties. And may also help to reduce the certain risk of, uh, the risk of certain cancers. And last, not least, we very often forget in our diet herbs and spices. Have a look. Everybody can Google it. What you have in turmeric, ginger, garlic, rosemary, cinnamon, uh, pepper, uh, oregano. Yeah. We all have potential anti-cancer properties. So 
just you mentioned uh, with things uh, about about the food specifically. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, looking forward to breakfast, lunch and dinner. Dinner at the moment, <laughs> wherever you're listening from, what time you're listening. Now, Barb, you are one amazing lady, a privilege to call a friend. Tell us about your courageous battle, but your lifestyle choices, how you've beaten the beast and how you now thrive after stage four cancer. I know one of your tips you've told me is barefoot on the grass to ground yourself if you're tired and stressed. Barb, tell us more. <laughs> Thank you, Julianne. And, yes, that was very good description of um, certain things that we should be eating and um, also the mention about barefoot on the grass. So first thing in the morning, keeping in, in mind the weather, if you can just go out and stand on the grass in bare feet and a little bit of gentle sunshine on your face and just connect with Mother Earth. Because if we think of it, there are a lot of people who are, have shoes on all day and walk around on concrete all day, and they never get that chance to actually stand on the earth. Uh, we're lucky where we are. We get to go to the beach regularly, so we are on the, on the sand and in the water. But, you know, sometimes just take off those shoes and just stand in the grass. But, yes, um, so my story goes back to 2004 when I was diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, gave an 18-month lifespan, and it was a pretty terrible time in our lives. I say our because I live with my husband, Laurie, and it sort of manifested itself because I did um, find out that I had this because I had tumours come up on my neck and also I had a lot of tumours in my, look like my stomach. And when I had all the scans done, they realised I had over 100 tumours and they grew very rapidly. And I think this uh, way that we can look at our bodies, that my immune system was very broken down, high stress. I was in the corporate world had a lot of um, competition in the training and IT environment. I was in pollution. I commuted three hours a day, one and a half hours there, one and a half hours back, in pollution uh, with um, uh, other cars and terrible things around you when you think about that, and pushing myself too hard. I don't know sometimes why I was doing that. Maybe uh, Julianne might understand when you are high-functioning adult and you just have a lot to get done and a lot to prove. So in some ways I thought, well, maybe I could have done this to myself. Maybe I can undo it to myself or at least get my body in an alkaline environment. And Jens mentioned this. So my body was very acidic and I wanted to get alkaline. And if you think about animals like if a cat's sick, what does it do? It goes and eats grass. So virtually I ate anything that was green. I even grew my own wheatgrass. A friend lo loaned me a, a, a processor that was called a cold press food processor. So I'd chop off my little bits of wheatgrass, I'd feed it through, and I'd drink those green shots. And I'd just say, that's my, my food is my medicine. So Everything that was green, I ate. And I gave up um, tea, coffee, alcohol, sugar, caffeine, 
anything that was an alkaline food and swap to uh, acidic food uh, and swap yeah, to yeah. an alkaline food. And um, I also changed doctors and went to um, a, a doctor who I thought was more sympathetic or empathetic with my way of thinking so that she would be part of my project team to help me get well. Oh, well, you thrive now. You're, you, you're an idol to me in your surfing and your surf and board riding and swimming. Um, you're in the epitome Gorgeous-looking girl with everything going for you, and you deserve that. So so thanks for sharing that with us, Bob. Now, Bob, we are going to talk about cancer research and treatments for possible cures for mm. certain cancers. When you were first diagnosed, what were the suggested treatments available? That's 20 years ago. Chemotherapy, I'm sure, with its... Sometimes highly debilitating side effects may have been on the agenda. Can you tell us about 20 years ago what treatments were available to you? 20 years ago, I was uh, suggested, it was suggested to me, to go on to a drug which was called Mabthera, which was a chemotherapy drug. It was uh, $20,000 a month. Um, and oh. because of my young age, I didn't qualify to get the young, the um, uh, cheaper amount. And the tests that they did to get me ready for the chemotherapy actually caused more issues to my body. So they wanted to check for the cancer in the bone marrow, and they injected in my back, and that caused a, mil- um, a hematoma in my back which meant that it swelled so much that I couldn't walk, so I was in a wheelchair. And so all of these other things were happening, and I've gone, well, there's got to be a better way. So maybe if I get my body more alkaline, ready for the possible chemotherapy that I might take in the future, I might be able to help the doctors help me get well. But as it's turned out, within two months, three months of changing everything over and researching the internet. Remember 20 years ago, there wasn't that much available like there is now. My tumours had started to go down. My new haematologist took more uh, lymph nodes from my neck, which were really big. They were as big as boiled eggs, had lots of them. They took out uh, some more lymph nodes and she's going, this is very strange, these have started to reduce Maybe you should consider keep doing what you're doing and just let me know what you're doing. So I took 30,000 milligrams of vitamin C every week intravenously with a professional doctor down in Sydney under guidance and they looked after me and I just sat there and instead of sitting there having chemo pumped in, I sat there and had vitamin C pumped in, probably very controversial at the time. But I thought a little bit of a scattergun approach. I don't care if they sprinkle fairy dust over me or did little things. If it got me well, I didn't care what they did. I just wanted to get happy and healthy and back to the person I was. So I did a lot of things like that. But I also um, did, and I'm just looking at some of my notes, the things I did, gosh, uh, did nutrition, enzymes, oxygenation, detox, emotional healing tumour targeting, lifestyle changes, and a spiritual connection. So those things I did on a daily basis, and 
a lot of it was, you know, like deep breathing, feeling happy, looking at the positive. And when people had complained to me, oh, the traffic was bad, I go, no, well, I'd really like to be in the traffic today going to a job. Like I'm here and I'm uncomfortable, I'm swollen, I can't get down the stairs. I'll swap places with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of changes and a lot of self-talk that I had to, I would say, give myself a good talking to, talk to myself to elevate myself. And also I had four of my cancer, four of my family die of cancer. So there was a big impetus for me to look outside the box and see if there were other modalities that could help alongside my hematologist who was keeping an eye on all of these things for me. Wow, Bob, that's a story. That's amazing. And again, I say see your medical practitioner, but so much of what Barb has told us today could be the panacea for you under medical supervision. Um, thank you for sharing that for, with us. But uh, there are other interesting treatments now, yes. Um, it's just amazing what's coming on board for different types of cancers and very successfully. Can you talk, uh, tell us about CRISPR and gene editing and explain it to us? It's a little tricky. Jens? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, let, let me try it. Uh, let's see, but we don't make it too complicated and I don't want to go too much in details. Alone to spell uh, the whole thing CRISPR uh, is a little bit tricky because it stands for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. Just okay, so this alone sounds crazy, but uh, what we discovered, you can call it, it's a revolutionary gene editing technology that allows scientists to make precise changes to the DNA of living organisms including humans, animals, and plants, okay? And it, CRISPR was first discovered in bacteria as a part of their immune system. Scientists noticed repetitive DNA sequences interspaced with short, unique sequences derived from viral DNA. And these sequences, along with associated proteins, provide bacteria with a defense mechanism against these viral infections. Okay, so that's what we discovered. And what does it mean? Uh, try to get a picture how our DNA looks. Uh, DNA looks. It's like uh, a twisted wire. So and now with this technology. What we can do, we can have a look, we detect the damage, and we are able to cut down this damage part and then replace and repair it. So that's in simple words what happens. And if you look at the therapeutic applications, so like CRISPR-based therapies uh, could be used in a gene therapy and genome editing, and in this way, it holds a promise for treating genetic diseases, cancer, and infectious diseases. Of course, at the same moment, you understand, there might be also maybe 
ethical issues or whatever. And with regards to cancer, of course, you have to make a difference if it's maybe a benign or malignant cancer. So, uh, and if you come to a later stage of cancer and take, for example, malignant, it means with metastasis spread over the body, there is no chance to cure the cancer with CRISPR. But for example, detecting a benign cancer or benign tumor at an early stage, there is a good chance to discover this and to repair it, and the person will come back to health. Well, Let's talk so far about CRISPR. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and we're going to see so many more developments. It's almost the tools exponentially are increasing for all different types of cancer. And excuse me, we're also looking at personalized medicine with cancer. Every individual, every cancer is different, but we're forging ahead. <coughs> excuse me. Also, exciting news in Australia. Our deadliest cancer, melanoma, is proving that in the future it can be halted. Big news. It only came out two or three weeks ago. Medina in the USA and other companies have been searching for this, but we got it in Oz. It's very exciting. Um, so, so dangerous melanoma is in Australia because of our climate and our sun that it metastasizes so rapidly spreading through the body. It's a big killer. And we have a potential cure in the wings, researched here, as I said, um, though the other companies have been hard at it. Our Australian researchers announced, as I said, two or three weeks ago, that they've come up with some amazing results, that with mice they've been able to cure and remove the um, the um, the cancer or the melanoma. We can talk about other breakthroughs on another broadcast, but that is exciting. And this one is also exciting, the use of high-frequency ultrasound. I know that's a bit sciencey, but the blood-brain barrier has been uh, almost impermeable to medications. But now with high-frequency ultrasound, we can get medications through the BBB, the blood-brain barrier, to treat brain tumours, a big killer. As a professional in your field, Jens, your take for many people, all right, might be a little bit tricky or we don't understand when we talk about uh, high frequency ultrasound uh, to enable medications to the brain or whatever. Uh, but uh, think about it uh, in context also with what Bob was saying, bringing you in a positive mood yeah, and in a positive uh, thinking. And there are some studies we have shown that the activity of immune cells improves when our mood is positive. Yeah, so uh, it's relatively new to the science, uh, but obviously it brings us uh, to a positive mindset. Uh, it promotes our 
dopamine, serotonin, yeah, our uh, feeling good hormones, and this promotes uh, a natural health. And obviously, I mean, uh, when it comes to melanoma, um, yeah, uh, of course, I mean, there are some risk factors related to it. Uh, we all know that, uh, for example, um, the radiation exposure to sun, all these things can play a role. Yeah, And just getting back to the diet, uh, the studies and the statistics show that, for example, our diet can contribute to a development of cancer or as a risk factor by 30 to 35%. Yeah, that's quite high. So it shows on the other hand, and it brings the positive example what Bob was saying. She changed her diet. All right? So she made a big step and she was explaining cancer cells need an acid environment. Now, if we do the different things to get us our pH level to neutral alkaline level with our diet, yeah, green leafy foods, exercising, meditation, simple things as we explained, hot and cold water on our feet uh, to promote our circulation, walking bare feet in the grass, listening to the nature, closing our eyes, yeah, getting in a positive mindset. So all this helps, uh, as I said, uh, to prevent the cancer and stay even when we are older and maybe have iris, even when we are older, that we can stay healthy. That's Is this male okay or any addition from your side? No, that's wonderfully expressed by both of you. And, um, Bob, I think you're going to take us away. Yes, I'll do the wrap-up. So, uh, Julianne and Jens, thank you so much for bringing this important topic to light for other people. If people hear these things enough, they might go, oh, well, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can trial those things. So think of food as the medicine. A lot of things with um, with my food, I've gone, well, I don't really want to eat this. And I go, well, that's better than having an injection. So I remember I counted, I had 52 injections of testing. I counted them just to test all my blood, this and that. So if you don't like needles, just keep healthy. <laughs> just going that's before I had anything else done to myself so I was thinking I just want to keep in that that frame of mind that if you can help your doctors and your naturopaths so allopathy naturopathy to keep yourself as well and help those people help you get better and keep well so just on that wrap up I'd like to thank again um, and Julianne for their knowledge and their study that they've done to bring this to us and talking all about their research we also should remember mental health research is vital for both mind and body so please support us in our crusade to raise money for the not-for-profit Black Dog Institute for Mental Health Research 
And we say no donation is too small to help us and our future generations. So to all listening, have a great day and a healthy one tomorrow. Tomorrow.